You're listening to Youth and Loud. The show that's the show that's quiet about the trivial things, but loud about the important things. We discuss all issues relevant to youth. If you'd like to find out more about the show or have a topic idea, check us out on Facebook and give us a shout by searching Youth and Loud. On this episode, we talk to Dr. Brendan Dalla, who is an Associate Professor of Clinic Psychology at Curtin University. Brendan talks about the prevalence of alcohol consumption among young people, how alcohol is connected to our culture in Australia, the risks of drinking alcohol for youth, and some things we can do to help us stay safe while drinking. Uh, hey Brendan, how are you going? Well, it's uh, relatively early here. 11 a.m. So, so far, so good. It's relatively busy over here in the West, but yeah, I'm doing okay up here. So, Brennan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's going to be really good to have a chat about uh, alcohol consumption and alcohol addiction amongst young people. Um, so, I guess just to begin with, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what your role is at Curtin University? Uh, yes, yeah, so I've uh, been working at Curtin for about 20 years, uh, and that included um, when I was doing my, my PhD. Um, so I started fairly young there, and uh, my capacity at the moment is to teach in uh, addictions and neuropsychology in a master's program. So these are psychology students in their final sixth year, um, and also helping those students uh, have practical experience, so I supervise students on practicums. And my area really is a, is drug and alcohol, so a lot of the um, research association I've been doing is around alcohol use, not just in the general population, but in, um, in elite sports, so major sporting codes in Australia, which do happen to be youth by and large. So a lot of, um, a lot of the major sports codes do have under 25s as, you know, they're kind of major playing with. So at the moment, um, I've been working with with those organisations to help um, really understand alcohol consumption and some of the problems that might be kind of under the surface, I think, with sports, so it's quite a, quite a new area. How prevalent is alcohol consumption and addiction today in Australia, uh, particularly amongst young people? So the prevalence rate uh, has sort of dropped um, over the last 10 to 20 years, which is kind of encouraging, really. Um, so we're looking really at a couple of different things. One is um, addiction, which has always been relatively low with youth, and addiction is more about dependency. Like I need to drink every day um, in order to kind of cope. That sort of sitting, if we're looking at 25s and under, it's definitely kind of under the 4%, but it hasn't really moved that much. Um, the problem with, with youth and alcohol happens to be more in binge drinking episodes. So that's not really as, as much an addiction as a real problematic overuse. And that can be just once a year. Um, but if you're drinking 30 or 40 standard drinks, there could be a whole heap of different problems with that. I mean, that's also improved over the years, but we're looking at um, a rate of around, I guess, looking at 2019, we're looking at 40% when from 15-year-olds to 25-year-olds who have at least had more than the, the standard amount of recommended drinks per week. 
Um, so that's still relatively high. It's not the highest in the world. Shepherds belong to North Africa. They seem to drink about twice as much as we do. Um, but it's, it's, we've always sort of been you know, up there in terms of the prevalence rates, especially with, um, with youth. Yeah, so that's, that's where we're sitting at the moment, which is better than it was 20 years ago. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that alcohol can affect a young person and what role does alcohol play, I guess, in youth culture in Australia? So this is something I'm really interested in. I think um, the problems we've had in Australia have to be considered as a part of a cultural uh, identity. So there's a, a, a lot of research that ties in this kind of image and I think a lot of people would be familiar with the idea of, of going to catch up with mates and not having a beer as an 18 or 19 year old. Um, and that extends really uh, even beyond youth. It's really quite difficult to go to any social events where it's sort of expected. So I think there's a lot of um, a cultural identity around drinking and perhaps drinking to get intoxicated, which is a bit different to some of the other cultures that might have had a longer kind of relationship with alcohol uh, because they've been around longer. So we're thinking about more Mediterranean countries where alcohol can be consumed by youth, but more kind of as an adjunct to a meal, uh, as a digestive. Um, so I was thinking sort of in, in the Italian culture, uh, whereas Australians seem to be around this whole idea of a pub or an event and drinking to kind of get drunk, if you know what I mean, which has a different set of problems with it. Um, so that's the difficulties we've got with, with youth and this identity around being Australian and drinking, especially being a young Australian and a larrikin for, for young men, um, or a, a kind of party animal for young, young women, which have increased in terms of their, their binge drinking over the years. Uh, they've got lots of problematic um, consequences with having a lot to drink in a short amount of time. So that's really where the focus on is with youth yeah. um, at the moment. Um, so what are some of the consequences of uh, drinking too much, whether it's in one setting or whether it turns into uh, an addiction? What are some of the consequences okay. and, and, and the risks, I guess, for young people? I guess I'll start with addiction because that's less common but really quite well understood uh, because uh, young people's brains are still developing um, to, the, to the age of around 25, so the mid-20s. Um, some research that says it's probably a little beyond that, so we're younger for a bit longer now. Uh, but generally speaking, what happens is alcohol is uh, a toxin. In fact, it's a class one carcinogenic, and what that means is it is the highest level of a cancer-producing uh, substance. So it's up there with asbestos, which is a class one carcinogenic, and tobacco. So the longer you use alcohol, the higher your rate of mortality, mortality which means early death. Uh, and there's a range of cancers that have been really clearly established as uh, caused by long-term alcohol use. The addiction stuff as well has a lot of sort of social consequences, but if we're just talking health alone, um, the more addicted you are to alcohol for a longer period of time, uh, the more, uh, I guess, call cognitive decline, but it's a bit dementia types of symptoms. So people who drink for a long period of time, if it's the young men, you start, the worse it is. Um, tend to become a bit more forgetful, but as they get older, 
are more likely to form different kinds of types of dementia, which I can, I can imagine for almost everyone is quite a scary mm. thought, but that's when you lose your memory and start losing your ability to judge what's kind of um, real or not, but also uh, a sense of direction and uh, of where you are in the world, which is really kind of basic things, but long-term alcohol use has really been associated with a kind of um, decline in brain function, which I think is one of the most important things that we all have. Um, so that's the addiction. I think the, the big part about drinking too much in a binge drinking kind of way, which is really a problem with youth, and, um, more so than, than addiction, because I think with addiction you need to work harder for longer, so by the time they're fully addicted, you're kind of more likely to be a little older. Um, but there's so many problems with getting out of that type of addiction. And, and one of the main problems, I think, even with very heavy use, is alcohol is one of the most dangerous, if not the dangerous drug or substance to stop using suddenly. So if you're highly addicted as to drinking every day at high levels, doing it yourself at home by just deciding you won't drink anymore, um, it's about one of the few substances that will actually uh, kill you. So there's, a, there's an old movie called Leaving Las Vegas, which which kind of um, very very solid movie, but describes an alcoholic who stops drinking, goes into a seizure and dies. So alcohol addiction, when compared to something like heroin, which heroin is very difficult to stop, but it's cravings that are difficult. Uh, people don't die from stopping heroin. They die from stopping alcohol, which is kind of something people don't know too much about. Mm. Um, very few drugs do that. I think benzodiazepines about the only class. But we're looking at street drugs. Um, methamphetamines are terrible for lots of reasons. Heroin has high mortality, but stopping using them doesn't kill you, whereas alcohol will or can do. In, um, mm. in a group. So, so medical care needed for people who are drinking heavily for too long, which I would encourage everyone to, to seek help. So the binge drinking um, is more about kind of one-off harms, but can be really um, really risk taking and highly uh, destructive to, to a young person's life. So we think of drink driving as a good example of that. Um, you don't have to be an alcoholic to drink drive. And if you consume a huge amount of alcohol and deciding, you know, as an 18-year-old who's behind the wheel, those decisions are often really compromised for someone who's had too much to drink. It might seem like a good idea, even though it, it's not. So all, all sorts of other kinds of, of harm can happen from drinking higher levels of alcohol, including death through restricted stopping breathing, essentially. Um, but also kind of higher rates of violence towards others, higher rates of suicide. So if you look at all people who have completed suicide, there's a huge proportion that have been intoxicated on alcohol. So that alone, if we take out alcohol, is implicated in, in saving a lot of lives and is still the leading cause of preventable death in Australia. So that's alcohol and we're looking at that just globally. Um, but also some other things like relationship damage, relationship to reputation. So I remember clinically seeing a young man who, uh, a really great guy, but we had a few too many drinks and uh, right on our, um, our train system here, which is quite as good as your trams over in Melbourne, but uh, he decided to go half naked and, and the humiliation of that for him uh, having been spotted by one of his workmates was terrible um, 
and the destruction he had in terms of having to return back to work and sort of explain this because it was caught on the phone. And, um, these are reputational losses, but they can be quite significant to a young person's mental health. So, um, and, and things like unwanted sex uh, or sexual assaults are, are associated with, with being uh, intoxicated to the level where decisions are difficult to make. Um, so these, these are sort of some of the things, but they're, they're the long list of, of, um, of binge drinking difficulties. How can someone recognise when their drinking starts to become a problem or are there warning signs that drinking, that a drinking problem or drinking addiction might be developing? That's a really good question uh, because of alcohol's prevalence in our society with the vast majority of people not having problems. So people who drink as adults, um, a huge amount of them don't have an addiction or do they have any, any kinds of binge drinking episodes. The ones they do are really important for people to recognise why and, and early treatment is much better than leaving it um, for obvious reasons. So one of the things is the reason the reasons behind drinking. Uh, so people with addiction often have um, other mental health conditions. So their drinking takes a bit of what they call a self-medicative role, which is like, I'm drinking to take away negative feelings. Mm. And that can be really subtle to begin with. It could be like, um, like a, you know, sort of a Dutch courage of having a few drinks before going to a social event to take away the anxiety of social mm. interactions. So that's really kind of a small thing, that's kind of acceptable, but what you're doing there is you're actually drinking to take away a negative feeling. And that's different to people who don't have problems with drinking because often they drink for more celebratory reasons. So they drink in order to celebrate. It could be a nice meal with some friends. It could be a birthday or a 21st. They tend not to drink excessively with the idea that the effects of alcohol in terms of the, the kind of substance or the psychotropic effects are what they're looking for. So what they're looking for in healthy drinkers is a sense of kind of communal celebration. Mm. Um, with problematic drinkers, it could be people who even drink at home to take away feelings of anxiety or depression, which temporarily might work. Mm. But of course, the rebound is more anxiety and more depression, uh, which gives them further reason to drink. Um, so the short-term gains of relieving distress, anxiety, pain even, are real indicators of when something becomes a problem. And they can start off very small, but if you're doing it to kind of take away something that you find unpleasant, like a bit of social awkwardness, they're kind of the start, I think, of, um, of where people can say, hang on, I, I probably deal with social anxiety in a way that doesn't involve me altering my, my state. So it's really the chasing, uh, the, the feeling of being intoxicated, which is, is the first kind of step and then repeating it uh, where it becomes problematic. Uh, also, the other thing is people often who are friends and family will pick it up, right? So like you, you, you might be uh, lost in a cycle of just having a drink to get rid of the feelings of anxiety, but often a boyfriend or, or a girlfriend or a parent or a lover will say, you know, you, you got you know, really quiet sloshy last night and, you know that that wasn't that wasn't cool mm. uh, so these things if you listen to them instead of being 
defensive are really kind of uh, early warning signs. You can really kind of prevent a lot of the, the sorts of problems that I, I mentioned earlier. Mm. Um, so they're kinds of the, the main kinds of things, I think. Drinking for what reason? And if it's to remove negative feelings, probably worth trying to seek out some help about well, why this anxiety or depressive feeling there to begin with. Yeah. Um, and why do I feel the need to drink too much? Mm. So when someone does uh, develop a drinking problem, what are some things they can do to help them uh, manage and, and support their problem or how can they best, I guess, deal with it? There's, there's several avenues I mean, in terms of alcohol support, but I think talking to family and friends is a very good idea, um, partly because it brings it out into the open mm. and a lot of people feel shame early on about some of their problems with drinking. Because some of the things I mentioned before about, you know, the loss of kind of respect or the social humiliation, uh, bringing it out in the open and sort of saying, look, I didn't really like the way I behaved last night or I'm not really happy with the way I need to feel um, slightly intoxicated to relax every night is just a really sensible thing to do because it really brings it out in the open and often people find that, uh, not always, but in most cases, the people around them uh, are helpful. In, you know, at least getting them the help they need. So for other people, it might be just seeing their GP and discussing it with them, and this might lead to a referral for alcohol and drug services, most of which are free. Certainly in our state, I'm not too sure uh, how Victoria sits, but a lot of public health um, options are for people who have drug or alcohol problems, as well as just general psychological health. Um, so often here, I would recommend um, someone who, who wants to see a GP to deal with some of their issues is probably a good starting point. Uh, a lot of other kinds of youth-focused services that are publicly available, it's very static from state, um, are a good way to seek help. And help is, is available and it's really effective. There are setbacks, uh, as with any treatment, any habit or any addiction, um, but the earlier you, you seek help, the better your long-term prospects are. So. It's almost like bringing it out in the open is the first step, and secondly, seeking the right sort of help through the right kind of channels, I think, uh, uh, is the second step. Uh, so I'd encourage everyone to do that, uh, to try and get that sort of support. How can young people uh, participate in social drinking, such as a, a club or a party, in a safe way? Or are there boundaries, I guess, that um, you know young people can put in place to help keep them safe at those kind of events or? I think so. And I think this is um, something I've worked pretty hard with through um, the under sort of under 25, from 18 to 25 bracket. I've done some research and trying to have a look at into just asking people really interviewing them. Um, and when I've worked with them, it's been really quite practical. So what, what I think it is, is, um, is planning for drinking and people don't often do that. So they don't sit there and think, okay, tomorrow night I've got a 21st. What am I going to do to plan this? Because I want to have a good time, mm. but I don't want all the risks associated with, you know, pretty, you know, pretty risky stuff that can happen if you're not in the right frame of mind to make good judgments. Um, so that's really making sure that there's a friend or someone who's not just a skipper that's on and gets you to go in the back and say transport. But also a sister, like a supervisor, they make sure that yeah, they've got your best interests. And out of a group of friends, there might be 
um, some people who just drink less or not at all. And what we do know about young people, I did mention before, is the rate of youth choosing to not drink at all uh, under 25 has gone right up for the first time in a very long time. So in any, uh, up to around 40-odd percent, which is fairly big numbers of young people who, who weren't deciding this uh, as young people 20 years ago, but now are saying, look, I don't really feel like I need to drink at every social occasion, and that is an option. But if you are going to drink, find one of these people who might be able to kind of make sure that you're safe. Um, one thing about drinking is it quite uh, early affects our judgment and our kind of planning ability. So even if we go with good intentions, uh, we can wake up with, with regrets. So I think having someone who isn't affected is a really sensible thing. Um, the other thing is when I mean planning, I also think about real practical strategies. And this could vary from person to person, but uh, rules for drinking might be have to have a meal first, like a substantial meal before drinking, and that sort of slows down alcohol's uh, impact on, on your body so that it doesn't reach that kind of level where you might fall unconscious or, or suffer some, some major uh, physical detriment. So I think meals are a very good way to slow the absorption down, but also having regular drinks of water, like non-alcohol, alcoholic beverages. Um, I'll just talk about one clinical case because it was a really, uh, really nice young guy and uh, just binge drinking weekly kind of issues. And we figured out that he couldn't get control over just sort of saying, I've had two beers, uh, I'll have a third one from, I'll have a glass of water. So what we figured out is uh, most people go to the toilet anymore because it's a, a diuretic. So, uh, the frequency of him going to the toilet, uh, as it would with anyone, girls and boys, uh, increased. So every time I went to the toilet, it was a cue for him to come back and have water. And that was simple mm. and enough for him to remember. Yeah, it's good. So it would tie into to a behavior. So for him, mm. it was the one thing that we kind of just made up that didn't really take a lot of thought, but it was a, uh, a cue that he said, I'll just have a, just have a visit to the toilet. Now I'm going to have a pint of water. And that for him really saw a lot of success. So I think having little tricks like that up his sleeve really helps. Mm. Um, but water after every second drink or having these kinds of rules like big meal water after a second drink just minimizes the level of intoxication that's dangerous. Um, and also I've got other things that I've got people to do is um, if they've experienced a really bad hangover, that's a really good time to run a list of pros and cons. Because the thing with alcohol is you don't get a hangover too much later. And often when people are hungover, they think, oh, this, this doesn't feel so good. Not a bad time to kind of write these sorts of good things and not so good things about drinking too much. And most people then kind of want to really get their drinking under control so they don't feel so awful the next day. So it's good to write these sorts of lists that they put up on your phone mm. and the note section because everyone's on the phone with them. And then they can flick it open while they have a, a party or a bar and just read the list of things that they don't like about drinking too much. Mm that they wrote the weekend before and that they've been hung over. And I think that's kind of a really simple but practical strategy that really deters people quite a bit from drinking too much. So it looks like, Brendan, that that's uh, the things I wanted to cover in this interview. But before we finish today, is there anything else that you'd like to say or comment on? Uh, yeah, the, the only other thing is problem drinking, I think, is really a, a symptom. 
So people have difficulties with stopping drinking or getting it under control. I don't think it's just about the drinking. I think there might also be other mental health issues like undiagnosed depression is a really common one. Certainly anxiety disorders, which are the most highly prevalent in youth. Um, so I'd really encourage people to look at uh, what's underlying mm. maybe the problem drinking and saying, you know, this is, might be a, a, it might be a, a cue really for me to look at some things that might, might be underlying that. And if I get those properly treated or dealt with, most people's needs in for alcohol intoxication or alter their state seems to decline. So I think of this as a sort of almost like a, a warning sign. And if you catch it early, it can be very useful, especially if you're a, a bit of, a, I guess, an arrow towards some of the underlying issues that might be addressed through getting help from a mental health service provider. Um, so that's, that's something I'd encourage. And certainly those things have brought up any issues, I think, Beyond Blue is a good place to start beginning some help about any kinds of mental health difficulties that people have is really uh, what I would encourage and I think it, it does under, underlie a lot of problematic alcohol use and, and that, that help is available. Um, so Brendan, it's been uh, really great to have a chat to you today about um, alcohol consumption and alcohol addiction amongst young people. Um, I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of the things that you've had to say. Um, I know that I definitely have sitting here listening to what you've been saying. You've made some really good points um, and it's just great hearing your knowledge and, you know, things you've learned from your, your experience. Um, so thank you a heap for coming on the podcast. Um, uh, Brendan, it's been, it's been really good. I really appreciate it, Peter. Thanks for having me on. No worries. That brings us to an end of this episode of Youth and Loud. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay connected or send us an email at youthandloud at gmail.com. Also, check out our website, which is youthandloud.org, where you can listen to other episodes and find out more about the show.